Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to a special episode of Geek Vibes Interview. Uh, we have a very, 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 very special guest tonight, um, a Los Angeles native, uh, best known uh, as one of the original cast members of Mad TV, also starred in Pulp Fiction, but better known for his voice projects, his voiceover work projects, such as Justice League Unlimited, Samurai Jack. Family Guy, American Dad, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Phil Lamar. Hey there. What's going on? What's going on? Not too much. Well, that's that's actually completely untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of uh, an Indiegogo campaign for um, this uh, cartoon I'm trying to get off the ground, Goblins. Um, and... I've never done crowdfunding before. I've done a lot of cartoons, but never had to raise the money. And right. man, it's work. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, we are here to help however we can. That's actually a great segue you gave me uh, to my first question uh, mm-hmm. that I was going to ask you. Um, I've seen numerous videos in, uh, you know, uh, on the page uh, for Goblins. It mm-hmm. looks like so much fun, and I love yeah. the idea of getting a show from the point of view of the monsters. Uh, what can you tell us about this project that you are the co-creator for? Um, it's based on a, a really popular webcomic my friend Terrell does called Goblins, and it's his premise. Um, you know, the, the, the little low-level monsters you play against in D&D that you basically just chop their heads off so you can get like a plus one sword to get you to the real dungeon. You know, <laughs> his premise was, what... Do those goblins like getting their heads chopped off? Probably not. Why don't <laughs> they become adventurers so they can level up and protect themselves? So, yeah, our adventuring party, you know, the, the paladin and the, the monk, the, you know, the warrior, those are all goblins. And, you know, so they're going through and doing their adventuring. And, you know, I've been reading the comic, and it's just so good. He, like, takes that one little premise and then just like build this world and my buddy matt king hit me to it and we were just like oh man this would make a fantastic animated series and so i you know called up a bunch of you know my friends billy west maurice lamarche tara strong jennifer hale steve bloom and got them on board to voice the characters and we wrote up the script you know from the based on the original storyline and you know, right now we're trying to make uh, this, you know, real, you know, badass trailer to show people, you know, what the the storyline and what the characters are like. Because 
like executives, it's not like anything that's out there. So to try to just hand it to them on a piece of paper, they're not going to get it, you know, especially something that's, you know, D&D has gotten more popular, but it's not comic books. It's not superheroes. And so, you, you know, you tell some studio executive about it, he's like, okay, can we make it more, you know, uh, approachable to the mainstream? And, you know, first thing they're going to do is try to make it for little kids because the goblins are colorful. Right. Like, yo, man, yep. no, this is not that. This is not, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely little. understand that. And honestly, like I said, watching the, the videos that you guys have uh, on, on your Twitter and everything, mm. um, I just love the idea of it, and I, I would hate, for uh, you know the the corporate suits to go well, you know let's let's pander to children and let's make right. it colorful. Let's make it you know something that's that's kind of funny and completely drain what you guys originally had planned for it and make it to something mm-hmm. completely else so we can sell toys. No, 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 right, no. right. Let's keep it exactly how it is because honestly, um, as soon as I heard uh, <clears throat> the idea the idea behind it, the idea of these monsters who you know get. Uh, pretty much stomped all over, and people could care less about them. Like we keep forgetting, you know, they 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 matter also. Like you know, they I'm sure don't like being you know stabbed eighty thousand right. times or their heads right. cut off. Let's hear from their point of view. So this is yeah. something that and it's got a lot of humor like too. So much fun, you know, because right. um, so, the so, the tri- the goblin go tribes name themselves, you know. Uh, sort of like, you know, indigenous people do, you know, names having to do with their physical characteristics or their destiny or whatever. You know, there's like big ears and one eye, you know. <laughs> and my character the, that I'm voicing is called Complains of Names because he's always got an issue with everybody else's name. You know, like, <laughs> why do you name this guy dies horribly? I mean, now he's living his life in constant fear because he, know he knows he's destined to die horribly. That's, why would you name him that? You know. <laughs> and you, you're that's a chief what I'm just because you're about. named chief. This makes no that's sense. That's what I'm talking about. You, you, you already have this this pure humor attached to it. You don't need yeah. that extra humor. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The the corporate mm-hmm. suits would want you to sat, you know, to oversaturate it with with humor. Right. <laughs> that that sounds perfect right there. Uh, but pretty much what these executives should know uh, when you guys pitch it is. Anything Phil Lamar's name is attached to, just book it. Book it, <laughs> sign off on it. Uh, just give the okay. Give him what he needs to make it happen. I, I can't even think of the last time I saw something that you had your name attached to. That I was just like, no, I, I, I don't know if I like this. I've loved everything you've done. And honestly, I was talking to um, my co-host, uh, Joel, about this not too long ago. When I looked at the list of things that you've done that I didn't even realize you've done, I'm just like, I think Phil Lamar is my entire childhood. I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you are my childhood. Um, and then what's even crazier about that is growing up and then watching Mad TV. Uh, I, I used oh, to always right. tell my dad, uh, my dad, um, you know, was huge on Saturday Night Live. I used to always tell him, I didn't get why he was huge on that. I was huge on Mad TV. <laughs> So we would always have these conversations on what we thought was better. I honestly oh, thought um, Mad TV was widely underrated. Uh, some of yeah. the best comedy minds came from Mad TV, and I feel as though this newer generation, now that Saturday Night Live is still going on, I know Mad TV was brought back for a little bit. Um, yeah, they, they tried. Yeah, they did, but they don't appreciate how um, how important and how great that that show was, and how many great comedy minds came from that uh yeah. keegan michael key uh that everyone yeah. you know loves from uh key and peel they forget he came from mad tv no um, and that, that's so, where he and jordan met they weren't they weren't uh, partners before mad tv yeah i mean you know? so uh, pe- people i w- what are your thoughts on how uh you know do you feel as though mad tv is, is something that's underrated and not talked about uh, is widely um, and you know just being revered as one of those great com- uh, sketch comedy shows. Uh, do you feel as though it's underrated in today's time, also? Um, a little bit. I mean, the the one thing that SNL has, you know, for all their ups and downs, that I feel like was lacking. Like the Mad TV producers had an amazing eye for talent. I mean, I mean, 
just in terms of the people I'm still friends with and who I'm still fans of that I worked with on there and the people that I watched after I left, you know, they had some incredibly talented people there and the writers, you know, but they lacked an overall vision, you know, which I think might have been the thing that could have lifted it to that one next level, you know, because in the beginning they kind of had a concept of like, oh, it's going to be a TV version of Mad Magazine, you know, and they, you know, did the, the movie parodies, you know, and some of them were just brilliant. I mean, we did one, I think, third season that was basically a black version of the Three Stooges, you know, it's like <laughs> the Trey Stooges, you know, and it was me, Orlando, and Deborah playing, you know, black versions of Mo, Larry, and Curly, you know, and instead of a pie fight, it was a cocaine fight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's that's what I'm talking about. That's that's how special you guys yeah. were with uh with your comedy. And I think the only reason SNL is you know, uh you know, besides longevity and things like that, was just the the bigger names they were able to, to grab. You know, like the Eddie Murphys and, and right. Steve Martin, like guys like that. Um but outside well, no, of no, that, but, but, I, see, I, no, but here's here's the thing. Here's the the thing what I was talking about when I talking about vision. Um those SNL people took a hand in launching people from their show, you know, into stardom. You know, mm-hmm. John Belushi, oh, you want to go do Animal House? Sure, go ahead. Oh, Chevy, you're doing – they realized that if somebody started on their show and then went on to huge success, it reflected well on them. And then they could get even more talented people coming their way. The, the mad producers never got that. Like, you know, they had a chance. Uh, Alex Borstein was supposed to be on Gilmore Girls, but she was still under contract to Mad TV. And the producers of Gilmore Girls were like, we, will, we love her. We want her. We will let her do both shows. We will shoot around, you know, your schedule, anything you want. And the mad producer said, nah, she's ours. You know? Wow. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, hello, she's about to be on a primetime show with three times the audience of your show. You mm-hmm. could have her. You could add two years to her contract in exchange for this, and then you have a bigger star who is now getting your name further out there. And you, and yep. they said no. And you know who got that part? Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about <laughs> launching a career, right? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. That that's insane. That's crazy. I mean, why wouldn't they realize that, you know, furthering your cast uh into doing bigger things only furthers you also cuz they they would say um blah 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 from Mad TV, you know what I'm saying? So people right. would go, "Oh, what's this Mad TV? Let's let me exactly. check it out." And then they would fall in love with Mad TV from from that. That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it's a it's a skewed idea of ownership and also just I think just didn't have faith in the concept of the show. You know, they were afraid that if they lost, you know, one of their talented people, they would lose their show. And, you know, that's, you know, that's no, you can't, you can't succeed in a, in a mindset of fear. You know what I'm saying? Not at all. Not at all. But, you know, um, people, went, people went on, oh, you know, man. Orlando, Nicole Sullivan, incredibly talented people just went on and do more and more funny stuff. Nicole Parker, you know, just there's so many t- great people who came through that show. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I thought it was funnier than Saturday Night Live. Um, honestly, that, that's, that's my opinion. Mad TV uh, was my thing. Uh, it definitely was not Saturday Night Live. It still isn't. Uh, I'd still rather <laughs> Mad TV. Saturday Night Live. Um, so I, I have to ask you this. Um, we've mm-hmm. had uh, Michael Rosenbaum on. We've had um, no way. Uh, we actually just met Kevin Conroy the other day at uh, wow. at Ace Comic Con uh, in New York. Um, nice. Susan Eisenberg. Uh, we're starting to complete our Justice League uh, <laughs> voiceover team. Catch them um, all. So getting you on <laughs> exactly. So getting you on is a huge boost in that. So my question oh, is you. to you, uh, is there a chance 
we could see a Justice League animated reunion, whether it be in a movie format or maybe just like a final season to like maybe further wrap things up or just something, just you guys coming back. I hope so. I hope so because all of those people are the nicest, most talented people. I'd, I'd be back there in a heartbeat. The toughest thing, and especially, you know, because we all know, you know, Warner Brothers working their thing is not a necessarily 100%, you know, <laughs> deal, <laughs> is getting the writers back, right. you know, because we're all attached to these characters, you know, but the truth is Justice League was about those stories. It was one of the few shows at that time doing story arcs, and the fact that they made those iconic characters work in this group and balancing the storylines of seven different characters, that is not easy. You know, as, you know I thought they did a decent job in the, in the Justice League movie, but you know, it was basically about the, you know, the, re- the return of Superman. That was your storyline. Nobody else really had a story. Like even, right. even Bruce Wayne didn't have a storyline, you know. So that yeah. becomes the challenge. I mean, I think, yeah, all of us would be back there to play those characters in a heartbeat, you know. Well, but, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it happens because, like yeah. I was saying, you're the voice of my childhood and, and you doing Green Lantern. First of all, you doing John Stewart's Green Lantern opening up the world to Jon Stewart uh, just meant so many uh, – it meant it, it was so important for so many different reasons. Uh, well, you now thank have you, Juan. A, that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome. You now, have, you now have fans like myself that kind of clamor more for a Jon Stewart uh, mm-hmm. than they do Hal Jordan. Uh, so my question to you is, Knowing that uh, in the DC um, live-action world, uh, we'll be getting a Green Lantern corpse. Well, hopefully, uh, somewhere down the line. Did you ever have? Like, do you have any idea on who you'd like to see uh, as John Stewart in a live-action film? Um, I don't know. It depends on the storyline. Um, I mean, I've always thought that Dennis Haysbert is to me, like in far, as far as live action, is the physical embodiment of what I picture Jon Stewart as. You know, he's tall, he's strong, he's handsome, he's already got the voice. You're in good hands <laughs> with all state. You know what I'm saying? And he just, he has that military bearing, you know, that seriousness, you know, but at the same time, I know as an actor, he's, you know, got the chops to play whatever he needs to play. Um, but, you know, if they're trying to go with origin story and they need some, you want somebody younger then i don't know if dennis is the choice it depends on you know the storyline um yeah to me the the question about a core movie is how do you work in john you know because us com- all us comic book heads we sort of take a lot of stuff for granted that is absolutely ridiculous like the fact that there are Two, three backup Green Lanterns for Earth. <laughs> That'll make no sense. <laughs> like, if you tried to show that to a regular audience, they'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Wait, who, who's the Green Lantern? <laughs> like, well, it's this guy. He's the Green Lantern of Earth. Oh, so each planet has a Green Lantern. Well, not each planet, each sector. Okay. So why does this one sector have four? Um, because, yeah, I- or, um... <laughs> you know, no, I, well, I, can, I completely agree with you. You know, I completely agree with you. That's why I thought if they did a live action, the best way to do it so John can kind of get uh, the, the spotlight. The best way to do it is to to say that um, you know an older Hal Jordan, he's doing more so work on Oa, protecting um, you know kind of all of the things going on up there. Uh, he stations John on Earth. He says, you know, I'm I'm handling things up here. You handle things on Earth. Uh, you be Earth's uh, guardian. So we can kind of just flesh out John John Stewart's story more. We can learn more about him. I personally, I always I always thought Idris Elba would be a perfect John Stewart, uh, just because he he kind of he has that he has that he has a he has that voice that very deep uh, demanding voice, and he kind of just he 
his the presence that he brings when he's on screen is just it's undeniable. I thought he'd always be a, a great one, but they'll probably hmm. go younger. Who knows? Like you said, story See, that's, is that's, always that's uh, important. My 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 problem with Idris is if they go with this this you know same storyline that John is, and I had this problem with him in Pacific Rim. To me, Idris does not read like a military man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's too cool. Mm-hmm. He, he got a little strut. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, they, when they teach you to march, you lose that. That is the first thing to go, that little, you know, little hitch. Um, but, I mean, I also know he's a fantastic actor, and I'm sure he could play that if he wanted to. Right. Um, no, it's, 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 again, it comes down to the writing. You know, what story do they come up with? And then you've got to, you know, once you have that story, then you've got to find the best actor to play it because, you know, what's the emotional range? What's, gonna, what's required? Because too much of the time, you know, Batfleck, you get there and you just sort of cast based on a notion, and that's not the best way to do it. You cast based on the story. Who is going to bring this story to life the best? You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that's part of what the live-action world is struggling with uh, is that <clears throat> it's not only not not necessarily a clear sense of direction, but it's also the stories I feel just kind of waver, like by mm-hmm. the movie. Like the stories kind of just are in and out. But that's why we love and we always go back to the cartoons in the animated movies because it's so structured. Uh, right. And they, it's it's well thought out. Uh, well acted by by the voice actors, and it's just honestly, it's 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 just way much better than the live action that we're dealing with right now. Now, honestly, um, you, you know you know why I think it is, in, why I think the animated movies are better generally, because they're not serving as many masters. Like when they do these yeah. movies, they're not trying to build a billion dollar franchise that'll run for twenty years. They're not trying to you know serve hardcore fanboys and you know, DCU continuity at the same time. They just say, we like this story. We're going to pull this story from the comic books and build our world around this story. You know, much the same way Marvel did. You know, they took what was good from their, their comic book storylines, but, you know, they didn't, have, they didn't make Iron Man have to build that, you know, big clunky armor, then change it to gold, then change it to red and gold. You know, they're like, <laughs> no. We're going to get rid of that part, and we're just going to use the things that work for this story. You know, the movies, they suffer too much from, like, trying to be everything to everybody, you know. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that those characters are so much more iconic. You know, when you got Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, even people who have never picked up a comic book have an opinion. You know, know, Wonder Woman wouldn't do that. It's like... Who are you to say? But they think that, you know, so it's so much easier to be wrong when you're doing a story about Batman or Superman, you know, because somebody will tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. You know, you said I was. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say because Marvel got sort of lucky, you know, that by the time they began their movie universe, they had sold off their most iconic characters. (laughs) <laughs> so they had to start with the B list, you know, and audiences yeah. in general didn't really care. They had heard of Iron Man, but they, nobody was saying was going in w- watching for how it was going to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? They were just yeah. laying back and ready to take in the story, you know, which is much harder yeah. when the characters are bigger and more iconic. That's why I give uh, Kevin Feige and, and, and Marvel so much uh, praise because it was a risk, um, mm. starting off with Iron Man, who I thought outside of his cartoon in the 90s, the general right. public had no idea who Iron Man was. Right. Uh, we we got to remember, Spider-Man, Hulk, Wolverine, guys like that, uh, the general masses uh, had an idea about. Uh, right. Iron Man, uh, uh, Thor to some degree – um, the Avengers in general, the, ge- the general audience had no idea about any right. of these characters. That's why 
um, Iron Man was able to be its complete, it, you know, it was able to be its own thing. Yeah. Uh, because if it didn't work, then you could kind of go back to the drawing board, figure out what whatever character that the general audience knows you could maybe bring out. But right. uh, they were and, able to and, focus on just making it a good movie. Right, and you're not as beholden to continuity because right. not everybody knows all the ins and outs of his story. You know, right. you can, you know, nobody was going, where's Avengers Mansion? You know, <laughs> Tony Stark doesn't live Absolutely. in that kind of building, you know. <laughs> Whereas when you're doing Fantastic Four, you gotta have the Baxter Building, and you have to yep. work that in, you know. And yep. same and thing with Batman and Superman. There's so many things you have to do. Where's Lois Lane? Why haven't you done? You know. Again, even people who don't care are gonna hold you up to that. Yeah, and honestly, they have a formula to go off of. Uh, you know, people remember all the way back to the Keaton films. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain things that they learned. Uh, some people were introduced to Batman through the comics earlier. Right. Some people right. were introduced to Adam West, Michael mm. Keaton, or Kevin Conroy's uh, Batman the Animated Series. So you have yeah. in your mind an idea on what you think Batman should be. That's where right. Marvel had a strength. Not that many people <laughs> had any idea an Iron Man existed. So it was very right. easy for them to just focus on making a really good movie. Yeah. I have to ask you, um, mm-hmm. this is actually a, a question me and my dad were talking about uh, a okay. few days ago, um, because it was something I always wanted to ask you. You were a part of possibly the greatest scene ever made in movie history uh, <laughs> with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. How yeah. was it being a part of that iconic scene? It was great. It was fantastic, because... Um, one, that script, you know, we were talking about, about the story, that script was a work of art. Like, if he had never even shot the movie, Quentin would be famous just for writing that script. It's, it was <laughs> so good that, you know, because the scene, the scene you're talking about, it's in the apartment, was the scene that we auditioned with. And it's the kind of thing that you read it through two times and already you have it memorized. You're like, wait, how do I know this already? Because even <laughs> though the world he builds is not real and it is not our world, it all flows together. It all makes sense. Each line is the line that should come after the next one. You know, so it it just jumps into your brain. And so, you know, we're sitting there shooting that on a you know soundstage in Culver City, and we all know the scene, forwards and backwards. You know. Um, and everybody could just take it to the hoop, you know, and just, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, Sam was the heart and soul of that scene. And it was, it was like watching Jordan play ball. It was, he was so good, so effortless. And at the same time made everybody around him better. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a, he was the focus, but he also wasn't about, didn't make it about him, you know? You know, you got Frank in there with the, you know, the burger and, you know, say what again? <laughs> what? You know, it's, you know the, the dialogue, the tension, the humor, all of it, all working all at the same time. Because that scene is legitimately scary and also legitimately funny in the same breath. Does he look like a bitch? What? <laughs> say what again? You know, <laughs> like all of those moments. You know, just uh, there's very few, you know, pieces of writing as an actor you get that are that good. I I, I tell you, I I could watch that movie a billion times, and that scene to me, I I can't even think of another scene. It wasn't technically the opening scene, but I consider it to be the opening scene. I I think that's possibly one of the greatest opening, uh, kind of opening scenes I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. Uh, well, it, it blended perfectly with comedy and seriousness. It was it was just so so well written. Yeah, well, Pulp Fiction has a has a few opening scenes. I always say that it is the perfect cable movie because you know most of the time you watch and you flip in, in the old days you would flip the ch- the channel to get to you know cable and you'd come into a movie and it would be like a third of the way in. You're like, oh, I missed part. I missed the good part. With Pulp Fiction. You're all, whatever you flip to is the start of another story. 
It's like you're never missing the good part. <laughs> you know? I completely, I completely agree with you. One thing uh, I have to also know is, mm-hmm. just in, in in general, how was it working with with uh, Tarantino? It was great. It was great because um, I got to work with him both in that group scene, you know, where we were all together on set, um, and I also uh, got to work with him uh, one-on-one because um, we, like my part in the back seat of the car, um, we had to shoot alone because they were shooting with an actual camera in the car. So the, the close-ups where I'm looking at um, Sam and John, they're not in the car. It's just the cameraman, the driver, and Quentin were all up in the front seat. You know, so um, mm-hmm. while we're driving to location, he was fantastic. He's like talking to me in character, you know, helping me work out my backstory, keep me in my moment. You know, it's like you know, you've just come from this, you know, apartment where you know you've just seen your friends get killed. You know, and he <laughs> just gave me everything I needed to, you know, embody the character. And, uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I had such a great time on that set, definitely. I can imagine, man, <laughs> just working with the list of actors uh, that you worked with in, in that movie and, and working uh, with Quentin Tarantino, I can imagine yeah. the stories that, that you were able to to get from uh, from filming that. Um, okay, so I have a, a fan question here from one of my, uh, uh, from one of your fans from, from our page. Oh, um, cool. Huge, huge, huge Static Shock fan. Um, His question is, uh, it's kind of a two-way question. One, uh, would you step back into doing a uh, voice for Static Shock, like, you know, obviously an older Virgil? And what would you like to see happen with the character of Static Shock that I think uh, DC as a whole kind of just forgot about since the animated series? Um, Yeah, I mean, I could – I mean, I can still – I can still do Virgil, you know, at whatever age you want him. I mean, Virgil Hawkins is Virgil Hawkins. That's who he is. Um, to me, I love that character so much. It's definitely, you know, one of the characters that I relate to personally the most just because, you know, I felt like Virgil is the closest to, you know, what I would have been had I somehow gotten electrical powers at 14, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I would have tried to get my homework done and fight crime. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I would step back into that role in a heartbeat. I was, I was actually, I, did, <laughs> I told Greg Weisman from, of Young Justice this, that I was mad because um, I worked on, you know, the original run of Young Justice, and they cast somebody else as Virgil. And I got a little bent out of shape. I'm like, <laughs> really? You know I'm right here, right? <laughs> uh, but I understand so, that there was their thing was trying to, you know, separate themselves from the previous iterations of, you know, most of their most of the characters. Um, so I I didn't take it. I did a little personally, but not too personally. <laughs> So I mean, um, I have to ask uh, the mm-hmm. gentleman who did play um, <clears throat> who did play Static Shock. Did he come to you at all? At you know, talk to you at all because you were the originator <laughs> of uh, the voice of Static Shock? Did you guys no. talk at all? No. No. I, I always mm-hmm. hate to hear that. Well, I mean, because I mean, let's be honest. I didn't write the character. I didn't create the character. You know, if you're gonna go talk to anybody, you talk to Dennis Cowan and Dwayne McDuffie. You know, you know, you know mm-hmm. I just. I voiced the character. And the thing is, he wasn't going to be doing my voice anyway. He's going to be doing his That's his true. version of the voice. So, That's you know, true. what am I going to tell him? You know, I wish <laughs> I had that job back. <laughs> I was just about to say, tell him, hey, listen, you do not want to <laughs> pick something else. <laughs> yeah, no, was. but I, I completely understand that. But it's, it's always one of those. To me, and this isn't uh, the, obviously the mindset of everybody, but to me, that's always like a respect thing, especially if you're uh, working amongst the same project. Just knowing mm-hmm. that you're, you know, the OG of it, you know, just to come to you and just like, listen, man, you know, any pointers on, on how to bring this character alive or anything like that. I know right. most, most actors like to do that themselves, but I always hate uh, to hear that, you know, 
someone that's doing uh, another character just doesn't kind of just have uh, communication, even a little bit. Well, he, he may not uh, have, he may not have even known who the character was because you know, he never true. put on the suit, and he's just referred to as Virgil in Young Justice. That is true. And I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know the guy. If he's not a comic book guy, no way he's going to you know connect those dots. That's very true. No, that that that's definitely very true. And like I said, I, I get it. They they kind of want it to be their own, but I'm not even saying to call you to ask you how to do the part. Just to call you and just be like, you know, I know you were the originator. It's so awesome that I'm now, uh, you know, uh, becoming Virgil. Just something along those lines. I just always like uh, when people who are doing uh, the same characters just kind of, you know, especially if they're, they're uh, you know, uh, amongst the same project in some sort. They just have right. some kind of communication. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it is sort of a weird thing because I think about that. I mean, like when I go to conventions, I generally don't have pictures of characters that I didn't originate. You know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, like Aquaman, there's, you know, been five or six people who have voiced Aquaman, you know, throughout – the the years, you know, John DiMaggio and Scott Rummel did it before I did, you know, on Young Justice. So, you know, it's hard to feel a sense of ownership, you know. But at the same time, when you're playing, when you get a chance to embody these, you know, iconic roles, you are connected in some ways, you know. Like we are the handful of guys who have gotten to add to this legacy, you know. So, I don't know. I always, yeah, I mean, I, I'm completely with you. Like I said, it's, you know, just, just a phone call. I mean, he, he could have he gotten <laughs> in touch with you and, you know, how was it, stuff like that. Um, right, right. Another question to you is, huge mm-hmm. fan of this show, um, how was it working with uh, Alex again and working with uh, Seth MacFarlane for uh, Family Guy? Oh, well, it's funny because Alex and I were working – you know, work on Family Guy because of Mad TV. There was a yep, Fox executive, <laughs> a Fox executive who was um, in charge of Mad TV, was talking with Seth MacFarlane about this new show. And in fact, for a very brief moment, there was a chance that the his early version of Family Guy was going to run on Mad TV as little. You know, know, interstitial clips the way that The Simpsons started on um, the Tracy Ullman show. Mm. Now, and I'm sure that the the Mad TV producers are kicking themselves every time (laughs) Seth MacFarlane goes, you know, into his private jet (laughs) for not, you know, because that's the thing. Had they agreed to that, they probably would have been executive producers, you know, on Family Guy. You know, from now, from then until now, just yeah. like all the, the guys who are on The Simpsons. You know, so yeah, no, I, I it, it's so crazy though. I, I bet because um, we do know very early on, uh, Family Guy had its struggles. So I'm sure Mad TV mm. then was like, yeah, good thing we're not attached to it. But when you see <laughs> uh, how they were able to flip that and uh, and turn that into this huge successful run that they've had. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with you. Someone in uh you know uh, that used to work with Mad TV had has to be sitting there like, man, we could have maybe <laughs> just tried it. Like, right? We didn't have to. We didn't have to keep it. We could have just tried it and see what came from it. Yeah, no, I I, I completely understand that. But um, yeah, no, I, I would imagine it's so much fun working working with uh, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, he's so talented. You know, and um, and just the, I mean, I always used to joke that, you know, I've been in Hollywood a long time. I've seen a lot of get, people get paid a lot of money, and Seth <laughs> might be the one person who's actually worth it. You know, because, I mean, I love Matt Groening. Matt Groening is an incredibly nice and incredibly smart, brilliant, funny, funny person. But he only draws and writes. Seth, right. you know draws, writes, acts, sings, you know, wrote the theme song, you know. 
you know, it's, yeah, it's, Seth MacFarlane to me has always been like a Swiss Army knife. Like, there's right? very little that he can't do. And now he's he's actually you know nailed it on uh, on camera as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just Ted I mean, was a success, and his new uh, Star Trek themed uh, show is a success also. So yeah. Right. That's what I'm talking he about. He did everything. I mean, there honestly is nobody in entertainment history with the breadth of success that he's had. I mean, think about it. That's like as, as if Tex Avery had also directed Gone with the Wind and Gunsmoke. You know, what I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know just, yeah, it doesn't no, happen. I, I completely agree. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is definitely um, one of a kind. Um, so speaking of Seth MacFarlane, knowing that he does voice work and live action, my mm-hmm. question to you is, which do you prefer, uh, voiceover work or live action? Um, it's funny because people, people ask me that fairly often. Um, the, the truth of the matter is when you're talking about quality material with really talented creators, there is no difference. Just you know, based on you know medium, you know, and I'm working with Gindy Tartakovsky. That is the same kind of work that I got to do with, you know, on Samurai Jack. As I got to do with Quentin on Pulp Fiction. Like those are all mm-hmm. at the same level. Quality is basically its own genre. You know what I'm saying? You know, a, 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 a Justice League has more in common with, um, you know, uh, I did a movie with Jason Reitman. Uh, men, women, and children. Those things have more in common than Justice League has in common with, you know, pound puppies or something. You know, you're going to tell me that those two things are alike just because they're made in the same, you know, animation process? Nuh-uh. Right. One of them is creators with a vision, you know, and an eye for, for talent and story. And that, you know, is a thing in and of itself. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand you. And, you know, to me, I, what we've heard a lot, because we've had so many different uh, voice actors on, and when we've asked them that, they say we, we, love, we love doing either one. We love doing voice right. work um, or live action. If we get the chance to do live action, we, we definitely uh, enjoy doing it. But, honestly, I love the idea of knowing uh, with voice actors, uh, and that's why I say uh, you're definitely my childhood. When I close oh, my thanks. eyes and picture these characters, uh, <laughs> it's it's you, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> so uh, that's definitely something that um, that a lot of people cherish because a lot of these cartoon, a lot of the cartoons that we got back then that that had substance meant a lot. Uh, we got right. a lot of great actors and actresses from. We just the the kids nowadays. Well, they don't even watch cartoons, but the kids yeah. nowadays don't get anything near that, and it's kind of just crazy because you know you you remember waking up early either on Saturday or Sunday morning right. to watch to watch your cartoons. For me it would be waking up super early to watch Justice League, uh Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Um uh-huh. but the kids nowadays they could care less. They're on their phones or tablets and stuff. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it's weird because I think there's something interesting about like when the cartoon time was limited. When you knew you only had this window of time on this day of the week to watch those things that were made just for you, you know. Nowadays, people like, you know, oh, I heard that cartoon's good. I'll uh, I'll check it out, you know, on my phone while I'm driving home or whatever. (laughs) Like you have everything (laughs) at your, you know, the tip of your fingers. So it's not the the watching of it isn't as special. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, because so, you can watch it whenever you want. Stop it, pause it. You know, fast forward to some part that you don't that you think is kind of slow. You know, whereas before you were lucky. You know, if you had to go to the bathroom, there was going to be a moment that you would ne- make never see again. You know. Yeah. No, I am completely with you. I remember those days. I would have to when I would wake up. I would be like, all right. If my favorite one is Justice League Unlimited, I'll make sure I eat cereal 
like after in case I like have to get up and go to the bathroom or something. Right. I watch it after, so I make sure I don't miss anything uh, because you don't <laughs> want to be that guy that goes into school and everyone's like, "Did you see Justice League Unlimited last night?" <laughs> no, I missed that part. I had to use the bathroom. Right, like, exactly. Oh, <laughs> so you know, kids nowadays are definitely more <laughs> privileged in that aspect because uh, back then you you couldn't miss any of that. Any right. of that. There was no rewinding. Or going on the internet to pull up the, you know, the specific clip that you missed. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was nowhere near. And honestly, I, I don't even think kids nowadays would have would have appreciated it as much as we did. Uh, it just, like I said, it meant so much, and you right. were so uh, so integral to, like I said, most of those cartoons. Like every time I think about it, I was like, there were mornings where I'd wake up really early to watch Justice League Unlimited. Wait, and then there were mornings I did it for Static Shock. Wait, you were in both. <laughs> so it was like uh, you were definitely a huge part of it. But us being a a large uh, geek um, community that we are, uh, my fan base would would definitely destroy me if I didn't ask you this uh, this question. Um, it's a it's a two sider. Um, which do you prefer, Marvel or DC? I know that's crazy because most of your work has been with DC. Um, and also, uh, when can we expect to see you in a live-action Marvel or DC movie? Live-action? Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've uh, auditioned a couple of times for um, some of the Marvel movies. Um, oh, well, and I, and I did have my, uh, my brief cameo in uh, Spider-Man 2. So, so yes, I guess you did. technically yes, you did. I've been in, you know, a superhero movie. Uh, <laughs> um, ooh, Marvel or DC? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Actually, I guess if I have to go back to my roots, um, I'm a Batman guy. That's he is my he is my totem animal. Um. So I guess I am at heart a DC person. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy is um, I am <laughs> all Batman. Like everything oh, really? Batman was made. Yeah, so obviously meeting uh, Kevin Conroy the other day was just like, oh, oh wow. my goodness. Um, and then having him uh, autograph uh, one of his pictures and take a picture with me. That's my Batman. I love Batman. So, yes, I can completely understand uh, you, uh, your assessment and Batman being your favorite. What's crazy is uh, over these last, I'd say, 10 years where Marvel has just been, like, huge, it's been it, – it, it would always kill me, even though, obviously, The Dark Knight had uh, its successful trilogy. It killed me because I'm like, all right, I'm Batman. I'm, you know, so being a fan of Batman, you're obviously uh, – are a fan of DC, so it's like it kills me that I'm loving Marvel as much as I'm loving Marvel. See, and then but when see, we get this okay. DC world, it's crazy. But but, but see, that's that there there you get into that that uh, weird false dichotomy thing. Like mm. you have to pick one or the other, or the fact that you like a Marvel mo- movie in some way detracts from your DC love. Why? What what you know yep. like oh I love Hamlet oh but I'm really more of a Richard the Third kind of guy like that doesn't make no sense. <laughs> no, that you that can is, appreciate each true. work on its own merits. You know. Also, by the same token, it doesn't mean you have to love everything any one of them does. You know, just because no, I'm Marvel, do or die. So I have to you know <laughs> you can't say anything bad about this. It's like well, if it's bad, you should be able to say that it's bad. You know, because yeah. you got a tattoo on the back of your thigh. <laughs> Honestly, that that is a hundred percent the truth, and you, you're absolutely right in that assessment. Uh, it happens way too much, uh, especially on Twitter. You, you see the DC guys versus Marvel guys, right. and the crazy thing about that is um, when you're that blinded by uh, by your loyalty. What I what we always say here at Geek Vibes Nation is. What makes us laugh about people who um, who are so one over the other is mm. that these guys that you're defending, like I say the same thing about uh, sports. These guys that you're defending so uh, you know so hard right. 
you do know that they're friends with each other, right? Like, <laughs> the, the hate that you're having for the other, like, if you're a Yankees fan and you're right. hating a Red Sox fan, you do know most of these guys, when, when they yeah, come they hang out together in Florida in the offseason. They hang out. Exactly. I mean, we saw the most recent thing. We saw Henry Cavill and Chris Evans. They're like best of friends. So, like, when, when you're saying, uh, I'm DC, so, you know, everything Marvel does is bad, it's like, I, I get that you're trying to, to defend it, but just know that they're best of friends. So, right. So if they're not enemies, why are you trying to make them enemies? Just relax exactly. and enjoy it. It's okay if you prefer uh, one, but you don't have to voice it as if, like, one's inferior to the other. Just say, you know, I prefer DC. I don't really right. like uh, what, what Marvel does all that much. You can do that. Um, right. But you don't have to kind of start this huge war of fandom when honestly these guys that you're defending are best friends with each other anyway. So yeah, makes completely yeah, there, there's no, no reason for you who ain't getting paid nothing, nothing to take it more seriously than the people who are, you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. To them, it's, it's all fun. I mean, you just had Jason Momoa uh, and the cast of justice league at Ace Comic-Con saying that they'd love oh, to nice. take on the Avengers. But that's them being playful. That's not them saying Marvel is the enemy and we should right. take them down. No, that's just them being playful. Jason McCullough is saying he'd like to throw around uh, the Incredible Hulk, see how he likes it. It's just it's, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's to have fun. It's to show that. Uh, and honestly, um, one of the guys that I started Geek Vibes Nation with, Dane, um, mm-hmm. he would always say, uh, if, you're, if you're Marvel, you need DC to succeed. If you're DC, you need Marvel to succeed. If one of those completely flames out, the right. whole idea of superhero fatigue will start to kick in. And if one flames out, the other one might not have that much longer uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in what it's doing. So you need all of them to succeed. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things to where it's just like, let's just, let's just all, you know, kumbaya. But hey. before, we, um, before we get into letting you go, uh, mm-hmm. one very important question I want to ask. Well, two very important questions. One, when can we expect Goblins to be released? I'm super excited for this project. Well, um, that's, we've got about 12 more days left in our campaign. So, you know, if everything goes as planned in those 12 days, we'll get the money we need to make the trailer. And it's funny because you can now shoot a movie on your iPhone, <laughs> you know, and, and edit it while you're, while you're walking. But the animation process has not changed along with the technology. It still takes nine months or something to, to make all of the images that have to go into doing, you know, high-quality animation, which is what we're aiming for. So right. it, um, if everything goes as planned, we should have it uh, some point in uh, 2018. Perfect. Please... Um, please, you spoke with uh, my, my, um, one of my representatives, uh, Kanan. Uh, he's who uh, got this whole interview and stuff okay. set up. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kanan. Please keep in contact with us. Whatever okay. link we can share, whatever you need us to do on our end to further promote this project, because we oh, are great. very excited uh, for this. So please keep us Thank up you. to date with, uh, with everything going on on that so we can further uh, get this out there. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll keep I keep um, everything on my my Twitter, you know, at Phil Lamar, two L's in the middle, two R's on the end, and on my my Facebook and on the Goblins animated um, pages. We're we're trying to keep everything up to date, but I will definitely like, you know, tag you guys on on Twitter to to help us get the word out. Thank you. Please do. Uh, you know, we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, everything. Uh, oh, I gotta follow you on Instagram. We'll share it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely. Yeah, send you'll you you'll get a Goblins that. animated uh, uh, follow just in a couple of seconds. Sounds good to me. We will definitely shoot you an inbox on Twitter of uh, of our Facebook and our Instagram, so we can further get uh, Goblins out there, so we can get this going. I I can't wait Thank for that you. first official trailer to drop, and then for the show itself to drop. Uh, super excited for this this project. Uh, but cool. before Thank we you, let you go. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you for one last thing. If What's we that? could get a drop, uh, oh, of course. a drop from you, just something, uh, you know, Phil Lamar. You can say what you're from, uh, mm-hmm. and then you're listening to Geek Vibes Live. All righty.
Hey, this is Phil Lamar. John Stewart on Justice League. And Hermes Conrad from Futurama. And Samurai Jack. And you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. That was perfect. That was perfect. That made my childhood over a billion (laughs) times. Um, Before I let you go, though, um, uh, my buddy Joel, who was running the board, so he mm-hmm. couldn't be on with us during the interview. Oh. Just wanted to uh, say goodbye to you before we signed off with you. Okay. Hi, Phil. I'm sorry I was uh, busy <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> oh, I understand. Nice to meet you, Joel. <laughs> nice to meet you. It was an honor listening. It was a great interview. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Had so much fun, so much fun. So we will be in contact with you. We will send you the the links to yeah. social media. Yes, and yeah, you definitely. Let me know when this is uh, going up, so I can uh, I can tweet about it. Absolutely, actually, um, with by like nine o'clock. Um, oh, tonight. I'll resend you the yeah. I'll resend you oh, the great. link, and uh, you can start putting it out. Uh, that's Excellent. how quickly uh, we will have this up. So again, thank you so much for making our childhood. Uh, by coming on with us for this this great interview. Oh, cool. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on, man. Not a problem. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sweating uncontrollably. This has been possibly the great the greatest extended weekend I could say we've had, Joel. Uh, yeah. This has been awesome. <laughs> this has been awesome. Seeing Kevin Conroy, getting that picture, speaking with Phil Lamar, having a great yep. interview. Um, this was awesome. That was a great drop, too. <laughs> this Holy is awesome. shit. Yes, it was. Yes. Usually when you ask them to do those drops, they don't do the voices. He gave us like three three or four different voices. Listen, that exactly. might be our permanent that might be our permanent permanently looped uh drop that we use for like <laughs> every show. That was awesome. Um, but yes, this is what you've come to. This is what you should expect from Geek Vibes Live, guys, and Geek Vibes Nation. We, uh, you know, we all band together to make great things like this happen. Again, none of this would be possible without Joel, Kanan, Dane, yeah. Nick, Shannon, the whole Geek Vibes Nation crew, and all of you uh, with our listeners and our fan base. So thank you guys no, very much. No, I wanted we have to so much. Say something. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to apologize to the to the fans that sent questions out. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, so I couldn't get the fan questions out when I wanted to. So that's why they never came out, and that's why no one really got a shout-out today. But I promise during the next interview we'll have uh, the questions ready and hopefully not have any issues so that we can get those questions out. But, yeah, I apologize to all the fans that did send questions. A lot of them got answered. You just didn't get any shout-outs today. But I promise next time that we'll, yes. we'll fix that. Yes. We do deeply apologize for that. We will make it up to you guys. Uh, we promise. Ooh, excuse me. Um, but this was a great interview. Again, thank you to the entire Geek Vibes Nation team, Joel, Kanan, Dane, Nick, Shannon. Um, and thank you, Phil Lamar, amazing interviewer. Um, cannot wait for this awesome. Goblins project. Um, we have so much in store for you guys this week uh, for Geek Vibes Live. That is our uh, flagship show on Sundays. It will be our season finale, our last show of the season. So we will be doing a award show and a recap of all the great things that happened this year in the geek movie uh, world. So stay tuned for that, guys. A lot of stuff to talk about. Um, And stay tuned for Wednesday for uh, Full Court Press. Um, thank you very much, guys, and we will talk to you when we talk to you. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 